come and experience God's people, God's family, and God's activity here in the sanctuary with us. We're in Colossians chapter 1. Um, I know that right now, with Israel at war, there is a lot of temptation to go around talking about end times, end times, end times. And that's good. I think it's good to, to learn from those things. And it's good to use some of these as teaching uh, examples and pictures of it. But I, I want to warn a little bit about what happens when we take anything and everything in the news and say that's prophetic. Uh, what happens is we become a little bit like the boy who cried wolf. Careful with some of that. There's definitely some out there that's definitely prophetic. How do you know the difference? Well, let's be honest with you. The text is time. So it's okay to say you have a lookout. It's okay to say you could be. It's okay to say I'm watching this, but be careful about saying this is definitely what this is because we don't really 100% know until the Lord actually reveals it to us. Uh, some of the other things that are out there, and I want to be cautious of, I want to remind myself to be cautious of, is fatalism. Fatalism is where Christians get together and say, well, there's nothing I can do about it, so whatever. So the very funny thing we're supposed to do as a Christian, and that includes watching and looking and praying for God's kingdom to be done. So don't be careful of those things. Don't be caught in that as well. We are supposed to be working. That tells us that we are supposed to be working when we come, but not to be found as lazy servants. So be careful of those things. All right. We're in Colossians chapter 1, and we're looking at discipleship tonight. So what does discipleship mean? Um, most of us are thinking discipleship is stuffy old rooms with a bunch of guys reading books. Amen? <laughs> does that sound like you're thought of a discipleship? When you think of a disciple, do you think of James, Andrew, Peter, John, right? You think of, those are the 12 disciples, right? You think of something like that. I want you to know when you become a Christian, you too are a disciple. Somebody say amen. We are. You two are disciples. We are called into discipleship. Maybe one of us have that process of training and that process of learning. It is different with everybody. Contrary to what some people may say or may think, it is different with everybody. We all learn at different rates. There's no doubt about it. We all understand differently. We all comprehend a little bit differently. And some of us perceive things a little bit differently. It takes a little bit longer to do that. Uh, when I would tell my children when they would say, Dad, I don't understand it. So I said, it's okay, God just makes it hard for you. <laughs> so, discipleship, though, is something for each and every one of us. So let's check it out here. Let's move into our uh, first slide tonight. Can we get done over there? We're in the book of Colossians, chapter 1. Hey, Kevin. But I guess the first thing we need to look at is what is disciple. I fell in love with this quote. I forgot that I put it in there. Can you give me in that? Uh, but what is a disciple to you? I said, uh, what, what, if you were to find a disciple tonight, most of us would say a follower of Jesus Christ. Someone might say it's someone who follows a discipline. I, I think that being a disciple of Christ is a lot more than that. I think that we need to be careful of, of belittling Christianity to a philosophy or a, a way of life system. So what is a disciple? Simply put, a disciple is someone who follows Jesus, is transformed by Jesus, and is proclaiming his greatness to the world around him. Let me ask you a question. Does that describe you tonight? The majority of us can say, I am a follower of Jesus. Jesus has transformed me, but that's where we stop. That's 66 points to say, I am a 100 Think about that for a second. 
in your life? Are you a disciple of Jesus? Are you following Him? Have you been transformed by Him? And are you proclaiming His greatness to the world? Let's look at that first one. Colossians 1 and verse 27, the Bible tells us, To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, hope of glory. So we're taking a look there at one of our first discipleship verses tonight here. God wills it to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. And in case you didn't notice, we are definitely living among the Gentiles. We are right here in the United States of America. And I don't know about you, but sometimes it's a blessing to be a Gentile. Uh, everybody's looking at me like a cow at a brand new gate. Why is it a blessing to be a Gentile? Bake it. Bake it, right? So you might say, amen, praise the Lord. Uh, other things of that nature. Uh, some of you have forgotten how strict the pharisaical law was. Just to give you an example of that. Uh, and this was not God's law, but the pharisaical law. Uh, it's the hand-washing ritual. They would actually have to fill these water cups up, and they'd have to pour it on the top of the hands with the fingers facing up the first way. They'd have to roll down the lips and off the lips. And if it went down the arm, they'd start over again. But if it didn't cover all the fingers, they'd start over again. And then they'd turn around and wash it the other way. And they'd have to roll down up the, I mean, it was just ridiculous. That's what it was. Just some ridiculous. And they'd have to take their fist in, in their hand and scrub their fingers like that so that it would be ceremonially clean. So you understand why they would get up to Jesus down and say, why are you disciples eating without washing hands? I'm not talking about soap and water before they eat. That's a good habit to have. They're talking about the ceremonial washing that would make the Pharisees a religious picture amongst a bunch of heathens. Right? Uh, so, but this is picture this is Apostle Paul. He gives us this verse here. He says, To them God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of his mystery among the Gentiles. And so, I believe, without a doubt, that every one of us can describe what Sharing his riches. 
the riches of glory. Jesus Christ. And we used to be showing them Christ living in you. Christ living in you. So if Christ is living in you, and you often forget, like I do, like the rest of us do, you're online tonight, and you're saying, I didn't want to go to church, but some church bothered me, or some preacher upset me, or some deacon got mad at me, or somebody told me I was wearing shorts. Well, let me tell you what. Boo, hoo, hoo. You need to get back into God's will, back into God's Word, back with God's people doing God's plan for your life. And that is called, that actually calls you to be a disciple because you are a Christian. If you're a Christian, all the fullness of God dwells in you. Colossians 1.19, and we're starting out in Colossians, tells us, For it pleased the Father that in Him, Jesus Christ, all the fullness should dwell. Every bit of God the Father is in Jesus Christ. Some people will say that. Uh, I don't know if every bit of it is Jesus. was just a man while he's living here. Look again with me in verse 19 of Colossians 1. So please the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. And then let's skip over to chapter 2, verse 9 of Colossians. And check this out here. So in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Every single bit of it. That's in Jesus Christ. In him. In him. In fact, it's in Jesus. To the point where Jesus says this.
mind you, we're limited in our self-ability. I don't know about you, but I don't have all the answers. In fact, a lot of times I'm the problem. Yeah, if you're a man, you're, when you're married, you've been a problem more than you ever thought. <laughs> right? You're a problem. If you're a Christian, and you're doing it in your own power, you are the problem. You are. Understand what God is telling us here, what Paul is telling us through the Holy Spirit here. Jesus comes to live in you. Jesus is fullness of God here bodily. Jesus dwells on the fullness of the Father. And Jesus is living in you. And you have access to everything. Uh-oh. I know I'm, I'm not sounding quite Baptist tonight. You have the ability in Jesus Christ. Well, let me give you the words of Jesus. You got faith like a what? You can tell this mountain. Yeah, yeah. Let's look at that next slide. Christ's life then becomes your life when you let Him live in you. And that's what discipleship really is. And remember, we're looking at that definition of discipleship. What definition am I talking about? That definition that says, Christ has saved me. Christ has transformed me. Now I proclaim Christ. That's what discipleship does. See, we get to often think of this type of just sitting in a room with a book, quoting and reading and quoting and reading. Now, let me just tell you something else that's definitely part of the So, may anyone tell you, you don't have to study wrong. The Bible tells us, study, therefore, to make thyself heavy up. A group. Right? What is that, uh, Timothy 2.15? Yeah, study, therefore, to throw that group. Proved unto God. A workman who rightly divides the word of truth. That's part of it. We're missing some of it when we think that's all the scientific is. I can stand up and quote more than you. I can stand up and know more than you. When I have context, my helmet's in the Bible, I can quote. Really, what we need to be doing is proclaiming the greatness of Jesus Christ everywhere we go. In Christ, in me. Christ's life becomes your life. And what Christ did, you know what Christ did? He tells us, he says, I do the will of the Father. That's it. I don't do anything else. Whatever the Father wills is what I do. So if Jesus is living in you, and He's the fullness of the Godhead bodily, you should be doing what? Come on, help me out, disciples. The Father's will. Second Corinthians five twenty one tells us how Christ's life becomes our life. For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, so we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Literally, you get your life changed when you become a Christian. God doesn't see your dead life. God sees a live life in Jesus Christ. That is the picture of a disciple. That is the picture of a Christian. When I was a young Christian, I used to think of it like I had a cut, and God put a band-aid on it. Wrong. As a Christian, I had a cut, and God gave me a whole new arm. And he took the broken arm. He gave me a contract. That's what imputed righteousness is. Not... Let me trade it out. No, no, it's like it never happened. But it doesn't exist in you. I want to take you now to your mind's eye. The Garden of Gethsemane. The Son of God prayed. Peter, James, and John fall asleep. You know what that means. He's not watched the scene yet one hour. Rise, get up, let temptation fall. Of course, you know temptation is on its way. 
straight to the garden. It's got torches, it's got swords, it's got a mob, soldiers, and crooked policemen. And in front of it, a guy by the name of Yehuda. You know what Jesus means? Praise the Lord. People name him. Praise the Lord, Yehuda. Jesus is on his way. You know why? Our book before Revelation is called Talk to Jesus. 
person away when she comes to us. On basic Christianity 101. When you die and your life is hidden with Christ in God, when Christ is our life appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Let's look at that next slide. So look at that discipleship. Remember our definition of discipleship? Jesus saved you. Jesus changed you. And now you proclaim Jesus everywhere you go. That's what the disciples are supposed to do. When Christ lives in you, He brings every divine resource with Him. I think we can all agree with that. You have the ability. In fact, listen to what Jesus says here in John 14, 12. We just quoted from John 14 extensively. So let's take a look at verse 12. Most assuredly, this is the word of Jesus Christ. I say to you, He who believeth in me, the works that I do, He will do also. And greater works than these He will do, because I go to my Father. When's the last time you've seen a Christian do something amazing? Witnessing is amazing. Yeah, amen. It is. Testifying is amazing. Proclaiming God's goodness is amazing. Don't believe me? Go to ACB the wrong side. Watch your heart. Yeah. It takes the power of God to do it. He does. He does. Here's what Jesus says. He's going to do something greater. He is caught up in feeding of blind men and casting out of demons. Let me tell you, there's nothing greater than leading somebody to Jesus Christ. There's nothing greater than that. Nothing. All those other things are designed to bring people to Jesus Christ. Let's take a look at the next slide. Every time you face a need, you meet it with the presence of the crucified, risen, and triumphant Lord of the universe inhabiting you. Forgive me for not capitalizing words. Crucified, risen, triumphant Lord living in you. Habiting you. You got that consistency of living in you. He's living in you. And every time you take the need, whatever the need may be, Lord, they're being mean to me today. Lord, they're not believing me today. Lord, I'm tired today. Lord, I don't feel like it. You know what? I think every Christian in the world had that moment. You ever got up in the morning and said, I just don't have my gifts and go? You know what? Start facing it in Jesus Christ. God invites you to become involved in His work. He has already placed His Son in you so that you can carry out His assignment through your life. Through your life. That's what the relationship with Jesus is all about. That's why He comes to live in you. God's work done through me. Let's go to the next one. I'm going to run out of time here. This has significant implications for your Christian life because discipleship is a lot more knows more than we've ever known before, but do less than we've ever done. Do they mean in the baptism? You know, baptisms are down by almost 80%. Church membership is down by over 70%. You know, salvations are down. Only when kids are good yet. Discipleship is more than acquiring head knowledge and memorizing scripture verses. It is learning to give Jesus Christ total access to your life so He will live His life through you. That's what Christ is. Learning to let Jesus live through me. Let's see what Jesus says about it. Let's look at that next slide. Matthew 16, 24. Jesus said to His disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Pick up your cross, die to yourself, follow after me. Look at what it means. Philippians 1, 21. The Apostle Paul, who was in prison at the time, says, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. 
living through me is the victory. Christ living through me is the relationship. Christ living through me is the discipleship. For me to live is Christ. Nothing else matters. One of the Southern Baptist presidents in the 1990s put together a wonderful little video montage. In this montage, he talked about a couple who retired early in their economy was doing well. This was in the late Reagan years of the early Bush Jr. years. The economy was doing well. Reagan was king as we moved into uh, the first Gulf War. Some of you may know this. Remember, However, this particular couple took their early retirement. And when they took their early retirement, they got a huge buyout from the company. We'll give you this much money, so we don't have to pay you an annuity for the rest of your life. And so they took it. They took early couple. He was in his late 50s, and she was in her early 50s. What he did with his payout, went and bought himself a 35 or 40-foot collar. He went steaming around for it. He was solid. Brushing his teeth there over playing softball. Of course, he built a sermon on that. Of course, the sermon was to see them on Judgment Day, saying, Look, Lord, is my teacher. You know, I agree with this statement. How many of us are feeling like Jesus coming soon? I think all of us. How many of us are feeling like I haven't done enough? In fact, you can never do enough. You can never give enough, never pay enough. In fact, don't even I'm going to come to that conclusion. But here's, here's the part, the point that I need you to understand. Our job as Christians isn't to be happy. Our job is to be obedient. Our job is to be faithful. Our job is to be loyal. Our job is to be loyal. In fact, we're supposed to be working because we've come at an hour we know Look at our next slide. I'm going to run out of time. Your greatest difficulty will be believing as a disciple, as a Christian. Your greatest difficulty will be believing that your relationship with Christ is at the heart of your Christian life. In fact, if you were to gauge it right now and say, is my relationship with Christ at the heart of my Christianity? Or is it off to the side and I'm just being religious and I'm reading the Bible here and I'm going to church there and I'm doing a morning prayer here? And it's just ritual in your relationship.
Through desires, all men, this is God's will to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Look at Second Peter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long suffering for us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I don't think there's any debate that God wants people to get saved. Amen? Not a one. Let's take a look at the next one. Ezekiel 8, 2.3. Bring one of those in the Old Testament, can you? Here's God. Take it to the prophet Ezekiel. Do I have any pleasure at all that the wicked should die? Saith the Lord God. Not that he should turn from his ways and live. I don't have any pleasure, my Lord. It doesn't give me pleasure that the wicked will not repent. You know what's going to your job is? Show them the love of Jesus. Let's look at that last thing. God wants your family to see Christ in you. God wants to express His love through your life, wherever you go, whatever you're doing, wherever you may be. God has called you to be a teacher, be the best teacher you can be, and show God's love any way you can. God called you to be a policeman, be the best policeman God called you to be. He called you to be a prison guard, be the best prison guard God can use you. He called you to be a preacher, be the best preacher. In fact, I believe that Christians can be the best at everything in the world. Because if we got all of that living inside of us, we can never lose it. There's a great difference between living the Christian life and allowing Christ to live his life through you. My wife talked to me some years ago. We used to go Christian shopping up in, y'all remember the Clean Mall? They had a beautiful Christian store there called the Family Bookstore. Y'all remember that? Love that place. And here we were coming through like, oh my goodness, here comes that fat bastard. True. Not everybody that worked there, though, was a Christian. We didn't talk to them. And some of them said, well, I just wanted a nice, clean Christian shop. And then she put together a wonderful analogy between Christian career and Christian job. She talked a little bit about what it means to be a Christian or somebody who just wants to be around Christianity. And I think that sums it up in our last sentence there. There's a big difference, a great difference, between living the Christian life and allowing Christ to live his life through you. Big one. Big one. And that's what the difference is in discipleship. When you learn to let Jesus live through you, you'll find yourself as a disciple. We're going to close in a word of prayer. And I hope to see you guys Sunday. We're going to talk a little bit more about the spiritual warfare. We'll talk a little bit more about what it means to be a part of that uh, in 2024. And I believe the church is on its way to some very powerful spiritual warfare. And so we're going to be called to either stand there and do nothing, or we're going to be what God called us to be. Shalom.